All right. Uh, yeah, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. Uh, on on the show with me today is Gary Henwood uh, from Kainui Brewing Company, or Kainui Brew Co. Sorry about that, Gary. Uh, you want to say hello? Yeah, kia ora. Um, How's it going? Uh First time that anything is always so well. First time most things always exciting. So glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be uh, interesting. We don't, you know, really know where we're going with this. We're just two uh, passionate, I, I suppose, beer nerds who uh, thought uh, taking a crack at something like this might be fun. Um, because this is our very first episode, I think we're going to spend a little a little bit of time uh, just kind of introducing ourselves to you, the audience, so you know who it is that is talking to you about about beer and who it is you're listening to and why you might want to take anything we say seriously. So uh, bear with me. Every show is not going to be so self uh, self gratifying or self serving. Um, we're gonna we're gonna mostly be talking about about beer and hopefully having some fun. Um, but before we get into that, I just kind of want to ask everyone who is listening, uh, if, if you if it turns out, you know, we're, we're only a few seconds in, so I can't ask you to do it yet. But if it turns out that you like this, this podcast, uh, then do us a favor, go to iTunes, uh, or wherever it is that you downloaded this podcast and leave us a review and a rating. Those uh, ratings and reviews really help in terms of how their little search engine algorithm works. And it makes the show more popular. And it allows us to uh, bring Bring you more episodes so go and go and do that uh, and also be sure to head on over to newzealandbrewer.co.nz and uh, check out the site subscribe and do all that stuff that that we do on websites these days um so uh we're again we're, we're gonna tell our stories here in just a sec but before we do that i'm gonna i'm gonna crack into a beer and i know you've already got one Sounds good. uh going there gary what are you drinking i do i do i'm drinking uh saison it's my own saison i uh, it's the only beer I've got on tap at the moment, so yeah, it's the last one. The last of your your saison. It's well, it's the last of any beer because I'm just I've been a little bit dry. I mean, in the in the brew house recently, so I need to get back into it. But um, yeah, well, mate, I, it's time to get brewing. Nice. Well, um, again, uh, as I threatened, <laughs> we're going to talk about ourselves a little bit, just so you know who we are. Yeah. For, first and foremost, I feel like I feel like I need to apologize for my American accent. Here we are doing this uh, this show called New Zealand Brewer, and then the first voice you hear is a, a freaking American. So that's not cool. But uh, but I do I do live in New Zealand. Uh, I am as my accent would. Uh, would suggest I'm an American who's relocated uh, to New Zealand. I I met a met a Kiwi girl in Los Angeles, uh, and and she was from the far north. We moved here about seven years ago now to start having kids and do the things that you do um, when when you meet someone that you care about. And uh, we yeah we we spent the first five years or so here living up in a very remote area called Peria out in the bush, and moved more recently to Kerry Kerry. Um, and I think, you know, while I did, I did actually get into brewing and, and beer, I had a sort of brief affair with, with beer many years ago, about 15 years ago. So I'm, I'm 40, it just turned 43. So when I was about 25, um, but <clears throat> that sort of fizzled out, I got distracted 
moved on to other things. And then when I finally settled down, and here I am living in the bush, this this Los Angeles musician kid living in the bush uh, of New Zealand with little to do but grow food and you know, listen to the birds sing. Uh, I don't know about you, but when, once, once I start growing food and have all this sort of extra fruit and stuff on hand, one of the first things I start thinking about is how I can turn some of that that food into alcohol. And that um, that kind of kick-started maybe, what, four or five years ago now, this this passion for brewing and, and beer and led to uh, a, a gig as a beer writer. I'm the beer writer for Hospitality uh, Business Magazine and The Shout. Uh, and uh, I started a site called New Zealand Brewer. I mentioned that uh, in the intro there, newzealandbrewer.co.nz. And uh, just, just an all-around passionate uh a home brewer, a beer writer, and I've uh, been a beer judge for at events such as Beervana, things like that. And that is uh, that is kind of me. Uh, my background has nothing to do with, with beer. I'm a musician. I've I've uh, released albums on Interscope and Warner Brothers. Um, I now work as a marketing consultant in the music industry as well. Um, but uh, in whatever time I have left over, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with beer, and uh, that is kind of what I think led um, my path uh, to cross yours is that proper english or that that's what led to our paths crossing there yep. we go um yeah, and uh, yeah why don't why don't you kind of introduce yourself and tell folks who you are and, and what you do right so uh good question i everyone like you just found the and um, i guess drinking alcohol or wanting to wanting to give alcohol and uh based on local produce and whatnot um I had a friend who was a, uh, an awesome brewer, and he showed me the ropes early on. And then, uh, just as a home brewer um, for five or six years, uh, just at home, you know, just tinkering around. wasn't so much into the into the worldwide beers as you are yourself. I mean, you sort of introduced me to that sort of thing, but I was just. I, I think I like the process more than anything. I, I got a severe case of brewer's creep, so. Um, from that first time that I brewed my be- a batch of beer, I have just always looked at this different parts of the process and just improving and and whatnot. So from that home brewing first home brewing session, I've ended up uh, with a small scale uh, microbrewery. So it's been a yeah five year journey there, and now we are just about to launch into production to uh, so, to make beer for you know um, again like uh, like I said, you have sort of opened my eyes to. Uh, a different, um, like Belgian beers and sour beers and all that sort of stuff. But I, I initially wasn't so keen on that style of beer, but now I'm sort of just super in love with that sort of style. And we're, yeah, we're just about to give it a crack. Very cool. And and uh, you're not uh, you're not promoting yourself enough there. But uh, as as said in the intro, his, yeah. his brewery that he started uh, not not too long ago is called uh, KBC or Kainui Bruco. Uh, up here in Kerry Kerry as well, literally a little farmhouse uh, uh, in in our little town, uh, making uh, some some pretty top notch beers. So be you know be sure to look for them. Uh, and he you undersell yourself in the sense that he did start a very small brewery, and you're still technically a small brewery, but you've pretty quickly gone from yeah. about 80 liter capacity to what is it now about 1400 <laughs> liter capacity, something like that. Uh, yeah, well, started uh, up. Just yeah, brewing into 80 litre fermenters, and now we've got about 5,000 litres of fermenter space. Um, and, and I was just doing 50 litre batches. Now we can do yeah, six up to 1,600 litres in a day. So it's, uh, I haven't 
brewed that much in the day yet, but <clears throat> we have now have the, the potential, just about to have the potential, so it's, it has moved fast, but it's, um, yeah, steep learning curve, and uh, I guess I don't, uh, underselling myself because I haven't really, you know, haven't got there yet, but hopefully we're on the track. Ryan, you're a Kiwi. You're all you're humble people, <laughs> unlike us, us Americans who are quick to take credit for anything we can. Uh, um, uh, well, let's see. Where do we go from here? I, I, you know, I suppose I forgot to mention what I'm drinking here. This I opened up something that I I thought and uh, and, and perhaps it is uh, I thought would be a bit special. Uh, I it's a choice choice bros I shook you barley wine it's an 11% barley wow. wine wow. and th- this comes from I, I actually pulled up the description of this beer it's a little curious uh, so it's it's a 2014 uh, 11% 100 IBU barley wine uh, that was released or so so says Colt Beer Store's website. Uh, there was a limited release of just 150 bottles and I swear I saw 100 bottles when I bought this. Maybe I'm wrong there. Um, but that's a little curious. More curious is the fact that I bought this two years ago. I bought a few of them and I've had one that I was holding right. on to. More curious is that if there were 150 bottles released, why two years later is it still for sale on on the Colt Beer Store website? I don't know. Maybe are we is barley wine just that unpopular that in two years 150 bottles cannot be sold? Uh, I mean, I've never bought one, but. I don't know. <laughs> what, what size is the bottle? Is it 500 mil? No, it's just a, a 335 or whatever that size oh, is. Oh, really? Is it 335? What's the deal? So that'll only be a that'll only be a 50 liter batch. So surely not. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, released back in 2014, Choice Bros. Surely, I don't know. Was oh, yeah, that, maybe maybe uh, one of their first. You know, their initial uh, might have just been a pilot batch, and there you are. Yeah, who knows? So I, I'm just I'm just googling. Choice Bros. Now I have I have seen them now that I look at this site, but um, Wellington, right? Uh, yeah. you know I actually not sure. I, I'm assuming so, but I don't know why. I think yeah. just the art on their label. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've read a few articles Wellington. about these guys, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, to be honest, not not too familiar with them. But the, the description of the beer here is uh, ale, wheat, rye, oats, and crystal malts, American New Zealand hops with Scottish yeast. It's uh, yeah, it's a nice beer. I think I think it is showing some age. I think with all those hops in there, I'm getting right. a little little bit of carbon. How long? cardboard on the nose but um but uh the the it's still holding up uh on the flavor you know once you take that first sip how old um, well 2014 i bought it two years ago in, 2000, oh, in may of 2015 well i you know i'm i'm a big fan of hanging on to barley wines and i tend to go more for uh the english barley wines uh that are less hoppy and i and I, you, you get a different sort of age. You don't so much get that yeah, yeah, hoppy yeah, yeah. kind of cardboard thing coming out of it as much as you'll Drop get uh, this nice sherry kind of plummy thing mm. that, that I kind of or a lot of toffee tends to come out in them. Um, and as they age, at least to my palate, they tend to lose uh, a, a bit of their depth and complexity. And they just you get that same malt toffee flavor, but then there's something sort of maybe missing on the finish. I just noticed that with mm-hmm. one of mine. I've got a big, did a big batch of barley wine a few years ago. And 
have been entering it each year in the national contest and won a silver the first year and last year it won a bronze and we'll, we'll see what happens this year it probably won't get anything um but i did notice last night it's finally it's still great but it's uh it's finally mm. starting to uh lose a little bit of its depth and become a little a little thinner a little simpler yeah, of a beer and how old is it now that beer is good i've had that before um how old is it now it's got to be at least two years something like that Right. I'm not sure, to be honest. I'd have to sit and yeah, think about speak, it. You just expect them to last. I mean, what, 10% alcohol, you just expect them to last for a few while. Having said that, on a homebrew scale, you're not like, you know, excluding oxygen from the process as much as you otherwise would. Right, right. True. Well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, your brewery and just your history as as a brewer, because right. I, I think that's going to be far more interesting to the people listening than me talking about myself or the beers that I'm drinking, for that matter. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, in future segments, we're going to have guests on the show and be be interviewing people in the New Zealand brewing industry. Uh, but Gary and I were friends. Uh, we we founded a local homebrew club here, up here in the far north, and we just get together regularly to uh, natter on endlessly about beer because no one else will listen to us do so. Um, and so we thought, you know, uh, we'd, we'd kick off the first episode with just the two of us and just have a more organic conversation. But but you are the professional brewer, and that's, you know, that's, I, I, I think, listening to uh, or interested to our listeners. Uh, so so let's get a little more story on how you got into this. I know you gave us the, yeah. the quick one, or maybe talk about your brewery and the beers that you brew. You've kind of got an interesting business model, certainly one that's that's hmm. different than most breweries out there, at least so far. So um, let's let's back up a little hmm. bit more to the beginning and and, and talk yeah. about you know what the brewery is and how it sort of evolved. Yeah, yeah I'll try to start from the start. So. Um, yeah, so just a friend and I were sitting around discussing business ideas and as you do when you're having a few um, beverages and whatnot and uh, I guess we just decided to give homebrewing a call, just give brewing a crack. We thought maybe it might lead to something down the track. Um, this was about six, uh, 2011 or something. And and a friend of mine um, from, he, originally he started up Ethnus Brewing, it's um, Matt Little John, he's a He's a geneticist and he's extremely good at brewing beer and he taught me how to brew in, in a day and he also designed a system for me, my first homebrew system, which was uh, top shelf. So I started off just being the, you know, the, the kook guy who sort of turns up with the flash gear and um, just gave it a crack. But So I didn't really, I, I skipped the, the, the chili bin mash tun sort of a, Days, um, went straight to awesome gear and just brewed hardcore for the first I don't know whatever how many years it was. Um, you know, as you do when you when you're starting a new hobby, you just go crazy for it. But because I had this flash gear, it was even more crazy for it. I guess it just gave me um, the ability to brew top-notch beers from the from the get-go. Um, and sorry, did I miss it when you're yeah. saying flash gear? What was this gear? How big was the setup? And what we're using for fermenters? Uh, no, it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the kit that I started the now to brew. I mean, the commercial stuff with it. So it's, mm. a, it's a 50-liter kit. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it was, it, was, it was done by, it was fabricated by Banks Brewing Hardware in Wellington. And he's, you know, he's, he's the guy in the industry these days. Um, well, basically, he's, he's just top-notch. He's an extremely good welder. And he, uh, him and Matt, well, Matt maybe designed it for me, a friend of mine, and 
and he went and built, went ahead and built it. And, you know, it cost me a fair amount of money for a, a for a get go, but because there's two of us involved, and I guess we sort of didn't want to um, play around too much. There was all sorts of ideas bandied about that we'd sort of share it around, and I'd have it for a few months, and he'd have it for a few months. It ended up just me doing the brewing, all the brewing because I loved it so much, and him drinking the beer as well. So <laughs> it kind of worked well that way. Um, sure. he, he was always excited to come up and. And just to see, you know, the new things that I'd done with the system. Um, I was always, again, like I say, I had Brewers Creek from early on, so I was just always adding the next thing, and it's, it hasn't stopped. It's still going. Um, and, you know, there's just so much stuff you can buy with brewing. And um, I, I don't know, it, it seemed a little bit odd, sort of fake to start at that level, um, or w- with the gear anyway, and, um, and, and also getting recipes from that. Um, you know, I was going in at a, a fairly high level, so it just meant that I didn't really have any bad batches, so the beer was always really excellent. I guess that sort of helped spur the passion. Um, and from there, uh, my, my wife, uh, her parents had a vineyard, and I guess the next... The this is where you, this is where you dropped the to, name of the vineyard, by the way. Yeah, Kainui Road Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> Kainui You can buy the wines; they're delicious. Um, and we, yeah. So we, I guess it was just a, a natural progression. We, you know, they make wine; we make beer. Or I could, I have the ability to make beer. Um, so we thought, you know, uh, they, they could go hand in hand. It would help us sell more wine if we get beer drinkers in as well. Um, husbands come along with their wives, and not that not that wives don't drink beer, but it's. Um, it, it brings them, or, or that men don't drink wine, but it broadens the market anyway. And that's sort of where we, where we've been driving it from, trying to, trying to get beer in there. Really, just trying to get more people through the vineyard, and and um, we have events there um, in the north uh, in summertime. If you're up around the place, you can come to one of our concerts, and and that's sort of like you said with our business model. That is where our business model starts: is um, trying to sell beer through the through the vineyard and, and at concerts and whatnot. And just to color, color um, that in a bit, what they've done at the vineyard or what you guys have done at the vineyard is is pretty amazing. You know, Kerry Kerry is a small town yeah. while uh, the surrounding areas combined is a bit bigger. I think the listed population of this town is only around 7,000. I think it jumps up to around 17 or 20 uh, if you start counting all of those, you know, areas that are close um, within a, within a short drive and utilize the township but are, are technically outside of it um so it, you know it's a small town um but you guys have turned this into uh, a a pretty amazing venue you've had artists like ub40 come in and it, you know it's a 5,000 seater are you guys approved for anything bigger than that right now or is it is it just 5,000 uh it's we, we are struggling a little bit to get internationals in but um yeah we got fat freddy's drop lined up on the 6th of January, which is, I mean, it's, you know, I guess everyone in New Zealand is about seeing Pat Freddy's drop, but not in North, and <laughs> I don't think we've been this far North before, so it should be, it should, it'll be a good, good event. Right, right. Well, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting model in that most people go into this with, you know, one of a few ideas. They, they're either going to be a production brewer and usually that approach is on a fairly large scale um, or they're going to be a contract brewer, which they're still planning on selling to stores, 
maybe they're producing a few kegs uh, for, well, actually that's not true. Some, some people doing contract brewing are producing a lot of kegs, but um, they're going into it typically a lot smaller um, and producing bottles for stores uh, and somebody's working mm-hmm. it part time and just trying to get it in stores or they're starting brew pubs, which we're not seeing that much of, you know, obviously there are a few of them, but we don't see that much of it in New Zealand as compared to the States, whereas something like, in New, uh, I don't know if everybody knows this, but in America we've, We've hit a, an all-time high uh, in terms of the number of breweries. Um, I shouldn't say we anymore. It's been seven years since I've lived there. But America has hit uh, an all-time high. They finally caught up and surpassed the number of breweries uh, that existed prior to Prohibition. Prohibition basically wiped out the American wow. beer scene um, and took it from thousands to to dozens. And uh, it's finally caught up, and it's I don't it grows so fast you can't you can't even I don't even know what well, it is. It's that's, well amazing, over- that's amazing that there was that many before. Yeah, there, there was. I think it was a little more probably like uh, like Europe, you know, where you had a lot more regional breweries yeah, yeah, because oh, yeah. distribution would yeah. have been it would have been more difficult. You're dealing with trains and and yeah, certainly yeah. certainly not as fast or sophisticated uh, sophisticated as mm-hmm. it is today. Um, so a huge percent, like forty percent of these four thousand some odd breweries that now exist in the states are brew pubs, and there are many many yeah. companies that are quite content to be the local brewery and they're selling over the Mm -hmm. counter and they've got these, you know, these high, these big margins and it's a good model and it works. We're not seeing a lot Mm -hmm. of that in yet in New Zealand, though there is some of it. And yeah, and we're probably going to start seeing a lot more of it because it's really, you know, untapped, but you're kind of doing a a weird version of that, an interesting version of that Mm -hmm. in that you've got this giant concert venue, uh, which, is at least so far making your beer a little harder to get your hands on because you're brewing, you're always, because you're still catching up in terms of capacity, you're Mm. producing for these big events and then it all sells out and then you're out of stock and then, or mostly out of stock and then you're producing again. But when you get those 5,000 people in there um, spending money on on beer, uh, you're selling a lot more than the average little, Nano brewery that's just starting up. It's kind of it's unique. It's interesting. Yeah, that's the plan anyway. Yeah, I mean, up until now we haven't been um, supplying all the beer for that for those concerts because I mean, yeah, we've only just up upscale to the what I was talking about before. The capacity we now have has only just happened. Um, so up yeah, up until now, the reason we haven't been able to keep up is because we've been brewing into two hundred liter fermenters with a fifty liter system. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it hasn't been a, a very good economical model. But along with the concerts, we I mean we do plan that is plan to have a have a brew pub, and I think we need to see more of them in New Zealand. I think that's a it's a good economic model. Like it, it does it, it does seem to work. There's a few good ones around um, Deep Creek and uh, I can't just uh, Lee Sawmill. Well, who else are there? Who else are the good ones with this sort of lost? Well, who's doing it? There's, uh, there's Galbraiths has got one. Uh, Garage uh, Project, George. Garage Project's got something now. Yeah. I don't, I don't know oh, if do they're. They? I, I don't think it's an unlicensed thing. I think they've started a pub. Yeah. I think they're still brewing okay. off, off, yeah. off site. Um, but Deep Creek, right. are they even brewing on premise? I don't think they're brewing on premise. I think they're. No, they're not brewing on premise. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. As in a brew pub, but like, at least a, a pub that just you know mainly serves their beers. Like it's, it's a good way to get rid of your, you know, get yeah. well, get rid of, but. You know, serve the customers, and it's a, it's a shame that it hasn't popped up more. I'm sure we're going to see that because it's 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 a very viable model, and 
there's not too many viable models in the in the craft brewing industry that I can see, um, apart yeah. from being super big like you're saying production um, or just grafting and trying to make your way up there. But I don't know. It, it seems like a logical step for me. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see certainly a lot a lot more of it. Um, we've got to take a break pretty soon. But before we get to that, I just kind of want to give people a sense of the the beer you make, what kind of brewery uh, you mm. are. So you want to talk about the beers you make, right. what, you, what you feel you're known for, what you feel you're, you're uh, best at? Yeah, okay. So when I first started, I think we had a release and we had four beers. Is that right? You probably remember it better than I do. I think we had a, a brown ale, a hoppy brown ale. We had a APA and a New Zealand pale ale maybe. And, and a blonde IPA, ale. So all believe, hop, right? all, oh, no, all no hop IPA? Drink. Yeah, no, I don't think there was. Oh, okay. oh no, there was there was an IPA. No, no, there was an IPA. Yeah. So it's all hop driven beers. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, I guess it does well in the New Zealand market. I, I went to the supermarket. Well, I've been doing a bit of market research lately, and it seems like ninety percent of what's on the shelf is a is a hoppy beer. But then, um, but then you met me, and I slowly like, broke you down. <laughs> pretty nice. Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, uh, again, the guy that I met, little John, who I learned a lot from he was you know getting into sales and he said just wait bro you'll come around and then i met john and, and he sort of I, I was just rubbish and i'm like nah it's just it's just what you do that's what you do when you have a bad batch you just chuck it in the barrel and leave it for a couple of years and then you dig it out um but once you know once you get stuck it's just it, there's no way back it's yeah. kind of like craft beer in general like once you, i started off with a i don't know maybe an epic pale ale was the first craft beer i had didn't like it at first but then you know, it, it sort of started me on the track. Um, I just didn't like the bitterness at first. It was, it was just up front, but it didn't take me long before I was, every beer I had was a craft beer. Um, and then, now just about every beer I had is, have is either a sour or a farmhouse ale or something like that. So I still enjoy a, a good hoppy ale, but um, I am, uh, you know, fall in love with the, with the farmhouse style. So that is where I would like to, Head, uh, see things here for us, but um, I, I, you know, we will be. I can't just you know brew whatever I want um, without you know people buying the stuff. So <laughs> we will be yeah maybe doing a, a mix of both to start with. But I've got ten beers that I have designed in my head that uh, should be out there soon enough. Right. Well, and you know, you have released uh, quite a few non-hoppy beers that have been received well. Uh, yeah. cer- I'm certainly a fan yeah. of your saison, your summer love saison. I, I think as a top-notch saison, uh, your your uh, your Widamu Wallace Scottish ale, I think is yeah. is pretty great. Um, uh, tell people about that. Just to, again, give people a more uh, a sonic taste of of your saison, mm. and then we'll and then we'll go to break because okay. I think that's a pretty special beer. Yeah, cool. I kind of saison's kind of fermented um, with saison de pont and uh, sectois. Um, Saccharomyces bruxellensis sectois. So I was originally um, they thought it was a Brett strain, but um, did some DNA testing and realised that it was a sac strain. Um, but it, it's sort of in some in some cases they say it acts a little bit like Saccharomyces. So that's why it, you know they originally thought it was Brett. Um, so it's, yeah, it's pale fermented, a little blend. There, uh, it's mainly Pilsner malt. I haven't actually brewed it for a while, so I'm forgetting, but mainly Pilsner malt, a little bit of wheat malt. Yeah, that's it. 90% Pils, 10% wheat. And the, the yeast does all the talking, really. Um, the, uh, I think I've hopped it with uh, Mochawika, and I haven't dry hopped it. It's just 
just uh, a little bit of late hopping and yeah, maybe some bittering hopping anyway. Um, it's I, I think it's delicious. It's sort of to start with when it's fresh. It's um, uh, you know you get the phenolic from Saison Dupont and then. Uh, the the sectoir gives it sort of a uh, like a, a right overripe pineapple sort of a character, like a man, maybe mangoey, just a tropical character that blends really well with the the phenolics. Um, I'm drinking it now. Normally, it's you know saison, it doesn't really clear that well, and it's super cloudy. I'm drinking it now, and it's just crystal clear. It's been in the keg for two months. Um, it's just sitting in the chiller. I've got a couple of keys left over from from event. I've just been working my way through, and it's. Yeah, again, crystal clear, tasting a little, just like a little bit of funk. I didn't get really much, any, any funk from the the original batch, but now I'm like maybe just a hint. Um, still, you know, nice and phenolic and Belgian, but that Sactois adds this yeah, nice from what I've had because you're the only brewer that well, you you've made the only beer that I've ever consciously tasted that strain and and mm. it's this nice kind of overripe pineapple thing i think you mentioned that yeah um, you certainly mentioned it before but um and, and it's just a yeah like a hint of funk it's not it's definitely not this overwhelming mm. it's nothing like yeah. a brett brooks or you know it's not that horse blanket kind of uh, no, uh, bro, uh brett thing that that i also like but it's it's quite different and unique and takes it to yeah. a slightly different, more complex place than a, just a mm. typical saison. And yeah, it's, it's really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And what's amazing is that it drops clear, which, you know, I don't think I've had a clear beer from you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yet, it's, it's yet. weird. I don't like it. I don't like drinking it as much. <laughs> I must admit. All your, yeah, all your yeah, t- yeah. traditionally clear beers are, are, are cloudy as all hell. And <laughs> your, your yeah, yeah, traditionally yeah, yeah. cloudy beers drop clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. Uh, I'm taking a picture for the magazine and asking, you know, can you maybe sprinkle a little flower in there? <laughs> it's, it's not looking very <laughs> saison. <but. laughs> yeah, it looks weird. It looks like a pilsen. I was just like, what? Why yeah. is it so clear? I, I, yeah, I, I don't trust beers that are this clear. It's like, what have we done to it? Um, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it looks ridiculous. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It tastes well, good. It does. It's a very good beer. So be be on the lookout for that. Um, you you finally got a small little bottling set up. So hopefully we'll be able to get our hands mm-hmm. on uh, some of your stuff in store yes. soon. Or you know if you're coming up to see uh, an event in the far north, uh, if it's over a few thousand people, then chances are it'll be at uh, Kainui Road Vineyard, and you can sample Gary's beer there. All right, we're gonna go to a break, and we'll be back in a moment to talk a bit about. Uh, what it takes to go pro as a brewer in New Zealand. Back in a sec. Theshout.co.nz is the home of New Zealand Liquor News, with daily updates featuring the latest and greatest news, announcements and views for the New Zealand liquor trade industry. Theshout.co.nz has everything you need to keep up with happenings in on-premise and off-premise information, beer, wine and spirit news and everything in between. You can register for our weekly e-newsletter at shout.co.nz. That's theshout.co.nz. All right, we're back. Uh, Again, uh, Gary Henwood and myself, John Ojaka, bringing you the very first New Zealand Brewer podcast. So thanks for listening. Uh, we are going to talk about what it takes to go pro 
in New Zealand because uh, chances are many of the people listening to this, if you are if you are a diehard beer fan, well, chances are you're a home brewer, and if you're a diehard home brewer, then chances are somewhere around batch number two, three, you thought about going yeah, pro. Yeah. Um, and, and I know coming, you know, from the States, I've looked into it there and it's, it's a nightmare of a process. And fortunately it's infinitely less, um, awful here in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> and, and, and yet, uh, it's, you know, still, a an unknown or un, a mis- mystery process to anyone who hasn't looked into it all that deeply. So. Uh, in a moment here, if you would, Gary, I just kind of thought maybe you could walk us through what it takes. Mm. The, you're talking to somebody who wants to start a brewery. What does it take to, to you know, what's the A to Z from starting for, for starting a brewery in New Zealand? And before we get into that, I just got to comment. This this barley wine is starting to kick in, man. This 11%. Good. Uh, I don't know if this was the one. <laughs> the idea, the, isn't it? I don't, well, yeah, I suppose. But I don't know if it was the right call for a, the first podcast episode yeah. this is this is yeah. going to take on a 10, whole new 10, 11. color uh 11 this one 11 percent. 11 percent. yeah right. yeah I, yeah it's, it's hardcore My I, not, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm just, i mean i don't mean to be a brewer but do you not find that beer just syrupy um, super, uh, barley super alcoholic yeah well they're they're a little bit syrupy you know, and, you and, know and, oh, yeah. I, I got to apologize for Gary's audio because he can't hear the clicks and pops. Gary is um, uh, not only a uh, what, what were you were uh, calling yourself a uh, oh, you were you're you're, uh, you're giving yourself a hard time when it came to I think it was marketing and and stuff like that. You're also a bit of a, a yeah. te- rube. When oh no, it was the beer. We were talking about your ignorance of international beer styles when we first met, <laughs> and I was about oh, I, right, I was yeah. going to say you were a bit I'm of a rube. You, I don't think you had tried yeah. many of the styles that you're you know these days kind of in love with. Um, but you're also a yeah. bit of a rube when it comes to technology. We we had uh, it took about 15 minutes to explain to Gary that the little thing on his on his headphones was a microphone. <laughs> it was it was fun. So anyway, we're t- thanks, he's thanks, he's talking thanks, to us. John. Yeah, no no problem. He's talking to us on his uh, his phone today but we'll, we'll improve that uh we'll get him a microphone and yeah. we'll, we'll improve that for future shows anyway yeah. um these beers syrupy yeah barley wine it's a big it's a big it is a bit it's i mean you know it's all about balance the the perfect barley wine yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's always going to have some of that but if the balance yeah. if the right balance is there it, it goes down really nice it's the perfect fireside beer it's a little bit um. of liquid toffee but not too or you know hopefully not too sweet balanced perfectly with the right hop level and um you know again i think i think maybe this one's just got a little bit too much age on it it's it's not bad um i'm i'm enjoying it it's gonna it's not gonna be poured down the drain which i'm i'm not um I'm not opposed to doing. I'm, I'm a big. Uh, if something is not pleasing me, it goes right down the sink. And uh, this one, yeah, this one's not. We've it's done going. That many times, didn't we? we have done that a lot. But uh, but no, this isn't bad. Uh, it, but yeah, that 11 percent is creeping up. So I better shut up and let you talk. Um, so mm. you're you're Where talking you're talking to what the listener. All <laughs> oh, right. The, the, the listener right now wants to know. Okay, I want to go pro. I'm in okay. New Zealand. What does it take to start my own brewery? Where do I start? I make really okay, great beer. Where do I do? It, it, it takes it takes next to nothing. You need you need a space, um, and you need to talk to the council and 
Um, so you need a food, I mean, a manufacturing license is basically just food health, safety, whatever, whatever it is. The, so wait, so let's the take, let's food, take this chunk, food, chunk by chunk. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you, you can't brush past anything. So I need a manufacturing Sorry. license. What, what do I do to get that? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, it's the same sort of thing that you need from a, um, for manufacturing food. So you need a, you know, like if you have a kitchen with, um, you know, you manufacture food, you can't just do it anywhere and sell it to the public because they might die. Um, you need, uh, I, I started by talking to the council. I don't know exactly what the department is. It's like, um, what is it? Like it's a health and sa- uh, health department, maybe. But to get Food started, health, at least Someone, they could call their council and their council would direct them to, yeah, to yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah, they don't know where to go. So you, you call the council, you get that sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need, for, you call the council, you tell them, I want to get a manufacturing license because I want to produce beer and start to brew a brew. beer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. This is exactly what I did. I rang them up and said, I want to produce beer. And they said, talk to this lady. And I did. Okay. And she said, and she came around, um, and in my case, she came around a couple of years before we ever did anything, but she said, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And she just, I mean, depending on who you get, I guess, depends how stringent they are. But um, because beer is a enclosed process and it's also, uh, if you're doing it properly, which you, know, you should be, then you, uh, you know, there's no pathogens involved. So it's not... It's the same as producing, I don't know, dealing with raw chicken or anything like that. So it's not quite as stringent. Um, so she came around and she told me I needed two sinks and I needed septic for all the waste to go to. And then that was pretty much, oh, and sealed floors um, for, for, you know, for dust induction. But that, that was pretty much When it. you say sealed, we're talking about some common. kind of a, a varnish? What, what, what do you mean by sealed? Yeah, just a, where you can just go get it from the the local hardware store and it's, it's just a um you can get a solvent based ones or you can just get a, a like a slurry um but yeah so it's, two it's sinks two sinks sealed floors and uh what about do you say drains nope. there's drains requirements aren't there yeah yeah a, a septic a septic system so your, your waste can't just go out into the next one over yard um, <laughs> or your own for that matter. And um, if you're in an area that so has you, sort of town, you know, has town supply and, and a waste system. Um, yeah. Well, you'll have, a, you'll have, you'll have the waste system. Um, I assume. Can you, yeah. No, can you put your waste, waste into it? That, that's fine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can, totally. Um, yeah. It's yeah. I'm pretty sure. Sh- as long as it's pro- oh, I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure that's fine. Um, <laughs> okay. Because ours just goes into a septic, which is you know going to end up eventually if they wanted to pumped out into the into the main part of things. Um, and th- this and is so, this is just water we're talking about now. This is not your leftover grain or any of that. No, yeah, everything, all your cleaning product, everything's going in there. Right, right, okay. So your chemicals and your, and your cleaning products, you're right. And the yeah, structure yeah. itself, so it's not from a great what I remember. Uh, from what I remember looking into it, the structure itself also needs to be permitted, which probably is going to be yeah. not an issue for people in most of the country, but up here in the far north, at least where I was, good, good mm. deal of unpermitted structures around. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you got to have a yes, permitted you structure. Need, you need a permit and you the next thing, that's the next thing I need to get to, you need to get a change of license for the building if it's, if it's not already a commercial building. So it has to be a, commercial building that you're um, producing the, the alcohol in and then 
So what is, if it's not? What if you've got a shed at your on your home on your property and you want to turn did. that into yeah. yeah? And you want to turn that into a brewery? Yeah. How do you turn that, that into a commercial uh, property? Yeah, so we, well, we did we did that. Um, we did the the sinks. It put a couple of sinks in. This is literally just a shed. It was a six by seven shed. Still is. Hopefully, it's going to be upgraded very shortly. But it's um, six by seven shed. It had nothing in it. It was just a. It's got open rafters. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but the house lady was very. She was very. Um, uh, what do you call it? Well, what's the word? She has just allowed us to get away with a few little things. But um, it was yeah. It was a shed, so we put two two sinks in, and we added a septic system, and then we got to change the license. Change the license is literally just filling in a form. So your 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 house goes. I mean your shed goes from residential to commercial and then I think you may pay a different set of rates for it. Um, they'll probably charge sting you a little bit more. But, uh, that's about it. It's, it's not like here in the States where you have to do all this crazy stuff and have, you know, I don't know, just go through all these loops. It's actually a pretty easy process. From there, the only other thing you need is a customs license. So you have to have a um, customs controlled area which is, again, very straightforward. They come and just tell you that if you don't pay the money, then you go to jail. No. Um, <laughs> then it's, it's, I don't know, they just, they just want money. They just want tax. This is the it. excise tax that, that we're dealing with. Yeah. yeah. They just want to make sure that you are paying the money when you bring the alcohol. Right. Some of this, and that's I, fair I, enough. I may be asking questions that are all very commonplace to the average yeah. uh, Kiwi, but again, coming from yeah. the U.S. system, all, all even words like excise tax, you know, well, they're not new to me anymore, but, you know, so, so much of the subtleties of this are quite different. So I'm the right guy to ask these questions to at least break it down to the simplest yeah, yeah. form. Yeah. So what about costs going into this? What did it cost at each one of the steps? Ooh, stop it. I'm not supposed <laughs> to mention that. Approximate um, is fine. Not not, not so much gear. I'm not talking about any of that yet. Just just the licenses no, 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 and fees no. and all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know what a food license costs like five hundred dollars, but it cost us a fair amount to do all the you know the um the sinks and the, well the sinks and cost much the septic cost I don't know four grand or something like that because mm-hmm. we get to put a you know septic tank in and uh, all that sort of a drainage field and all that sort of hoo ha. Um, just because of where we are, we don't. It wasn't. We couldn't connect to the existing septic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so. I'm sure we could have if, if it was, you know, available. But it was just uphill from where we were, and it's, it just didn't work. Um, but I'm sure you could have if, if you're if you've got a shed with a septic straight outside, then you'll be fine. Right. Um, so yeah, that cost me. I think uh, thirty grand rings a bell for some reason. Um, the uh, I mean, now I'm starting to think how how did we spend that much money? But I know <laughs> that. In the early stages, I mean, there, there would have been other. Uh, that's the thing when you're starting up. You've, you've got to. I, I guess I don't want to be too pessimistic about this, but it's um, you've got to sort of think about finances because it's there, there's just so much that creeps up. Like it's, I, I knew there would be because I knew that I know that every project that I ever do always costs a million times more. But this really is like there's just cost after cost after cost that you just don't see. Um, but originally, yeah, it was it was quite easy to get started anyway, and I'm probably not the right person to talk to in terms of getting things set up simply. So you can do it, um, it's, yeah, cheaper than what we've done it, but um, 
You can you you can actually do it in your own home if you have a room that you can create a reasonable barrier from the rest of your house and you're not storing, you know, uh, other items from your home. I I remember looking into. I have a friend who's a health inspector here, and and we, you know, I asked her. So that that spare room there, could I turn that into a brewery? And she told me the little things that I would need to do. But theoretically, if you have a house with a spare room and it's permitted and you have access to septic. Uh, tanks, uh, yeah. uh, you could turn your, your spare room into a brewery to some extent. As far as I don't yeah. know about zoning mm-hmm. in terms of producing alcohol in all residential areas, I think that would need to get some approval, would it? No, that's fine. No? Oh, yeah, well, that's the change of license thing. You, I guess you'd have to, um, you know, because it's commercial, maybe you have to get the change of license for a section of your house. I don't know whether. The only reason they do that is they can charge you more rates, I'm pretty sure. So it's right, a, right. Um, it's just sort of thing like that. But we don't, yeah, I mean, ours is residential. The rest of the place is residential. It's just that one section that's not. Um, <clears throat> but it's no different than producing food in your house, basically, apart from the customs part of things. Right. And when it comes to gear, because this, you know, you did what most people do. You started very small and instantly started expanding. You're expanding every single time I talk to you. You're buying a new tank. Now you're talking. Now you're going to increase the floor space. You know, you're you're just and mm. as soon as the construction's done, I'm sure you'll be looking at a another location. And, and that's the story of most most breweries. You know, I hear that a lot, you mm. know, at least Training. in the States the the joke is like oh i just started a brewery oh cool what are your expansion plans you know and i think i think that's what i've been seeing with you (laughs) um uh so let's say the because you could answer this question a lot of different ways let's narrow it down and say you were starting again um but you Mm -hmm. but you had the same budgetary uh, constraints or you know concerns anyway mm-hmm. uh, how or, or, or actually let me rephrase this let's say I want to start a brewery and I you know I don't yeah. I'm not made of no, money no. How, what gear how much would you recommend I spend on gear and wh- what you know describe what that gear what that oh, setup would be how big of broad. well how big of a, a, a system uh, you know how big are my tanks uh, oh, right. how big is my mesh town how much yeah. am I, I mean, what's my volume actual, yeah yeah, so the actual brewery. Um, I heard someone say the other day that just buy the biggest tanks that you can afford, right? And you know, go from there. It's um, it kind of again depends on your your business model, where how you want to get going. Like, do you have a brew pub? Do you have a? Are you trying to you know service your local market? Um, uh, or you know, are you trying to get into nationwide distribution? I guess always just not be wasting your time because it's going to take a lot of energy and a lot of your time so at least if you I mean because it takes almost the same amount of time to brew a 50 litre batch as it does to brew a 500 litre or 5000 litre batch so you are better off <clears throat> if you are planning to give it a good crack to go as big as you can um, I've wasted a lot of time on the you know on the small scale I mean I don't regret it because it's I've learned a lot Along the way, um, and it's, it's just. But in terms of time, it's, it's taken a lot of time. So the smallest I would go, if I was starting now, is probably four or five hundred liters. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, it's a good enough size. You, you also, but you do if you don't bring hobby bees, you need to be able to. You need to have a market that can turn it over. You can't just have it sitting around. Um, sure. Yeah. Well. You know, that's an interesting point because I think that's is commonly overlooked. You know, people obviously 
they get into this because of passion and it, you know it's weird people outside of the industry wouldn't necessarily think of beer as the art form that i think all of us do see you know beer all all us beer nerds get quite fanatical about it and and we see it as mm. as art and poetry and and mm. history and mm. uh science and you know it's quite intense to us but i think to a lot of the world it's just manufacturing you know um mm-hmm. Uh, but because of that, you have a lot, especially with the smaller breweries, people going into it with, and, and, you know, we, we've talked about it, we've seen it in other breweries, you know, going, going into this with really pretty loose, uh, business plans, if you can even call, call them mm. that. I mean, what's your advice mm. to, to people in terms of what they need to be focused on? Uh, uh, actually, I'm just going to assert something and then you can kind of comment on, uh, mm. on it. Mm. This is this is ultimately, you're getting into this to sell. You know, this is a sales-driven business. Mm. You you It's far more important, and this is horrible, this is sacrilegious, I shouldn't say it in this first episode because it's going to make people kind of just like turn it off. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's far more important or at least it's far more important to you or it's going to have a far bigger impact on your success as a brewery um or i or let me rephrase that your marketing is going to have a or your ability to successfully market and sell is going to have a far bigger impact on your success and your ability to survive as a brewery than the quality of your beer mm. now i'm not at all saying that the quality of your beer is not important it's everything it's what makes the world a better place you know if you're going to produce something make yeah. it awesome uh, or else just get out of the way but mm. if you don't have a marketing plan, you, then you're missing. You, you then just be yeah. a home, be a home brewer, you know, because because yeah, oh, yeah, because I, that's I did, yeah. that's I why mean, you got the business license to to. That's why you started a business to sell, and, and mm. a lot of people are kind of yeah, closed yeah. off to that idea, or don't embrace yeah, it, or don't nothing, realize it going in. There's certainly nothing wrong with just being a super awesome home brewer, like you know, just spending your time doing that. But if you do go pro then yeah you're, you're dead right it's I mean at least you're giving yourself a crack even if you'd be a shit and you've got good marketing at least it's, at least it's out there and you gave it a crack like if, if and, and if it's the opposite if you'd be as awesome and you get good marketing then boom you know garage pro geek or um any other panhead you know panhead survives they have good marketing they had good beer like it just I mean just went crazy um it's uh I mean I and so obsessed with the product that I, I couldn't go out there with something that's not, you know, that I'm not proud of. But sure. marketing is so important. It's something that, and I'm something that you're teaching me as well. It's um, you just need a, it has to be bang on. Otherwise, yeah, you're just not giving yourself a, a fair crack in the whip. I, if my advice would be to open a brew pub, <laughs> yeah, right. just anywhere, and so I can come and visit. Oh, and that, that was, sorry, that was a good one. That I lost. I just yeah, didn't think of before. Um, pizza barn, uh, McDonald's. Yeah, it's another local craft. Uh, bar. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great, great spot up here in, in Northland, mm. for sure, and great guys as well, making making mm. some pretty cool mm. beer now that now that Jason's yeah, uh, yeah, down there. Sure. Well, um, I think it is time for uh, another break, and then we're gonna come back and just uh, yeah, talk about a few things, and then uh, uh, see these good people off <laughs> on the rest of their days or nights or whatever time of day they may be they may be listening to this all right so uh hang tight uh, and we'll be back in in just a moment hi nui bruko is a fast-growing farmhouse brewery located at kirikiri in the far north 
offering a wide range of beer styles from our highly sessionable Woodamoo Wallace Scottish Ale to our unfiltered East Coast Double IPA, bursting with juicy tropical fruit flavours. Or if you prefer the complexities of farmhouse ales and mixed ferments, then try our Summer Love Saison, a refreshing Belgian Saison that is brimming with notes of black pepper and ripe pineapple. Just one of the many enticing beers in our farmhouse and sour funk series. To find out more about our tasting room, trading hours, or our growing lineup of beers, go to kainuibruco.co.nz. That's kainuibruco.co.nz. Kia ora. All right, we're back. Um, well, you know, I, it dawned on us as we were kind of uh, in that little commercial break there that we we kind of you know I kind of I kind of cut that off I, uh, semi abruptly like we talked about uh, gear and you know, certainly we talked about the process um, in, in terms of what you need to do to go pro we talked about gear we talked about marketing and kind of ended on that note uh, but just to kind of you know wrap things up you know is there anything else like so so somebody needs to talk to their counsel they need to. They need to uh, get that permit. Uh, the, basically, you're saying the council will walk everyone through the process and get them ticked off and, mm. and ready to go. Is there any kind of ent- you know business structure, or business entity that is required um, to, to do it? Okay, so no, and then and to sell, you need what to sell to consumers or to sell to stores. You need what kind of license is that also going to be taken care of in that that basic process when dealing with the council? No, you need if you sell to the council. So you, uh, sorry, if you sell to the public, you need a, a either an off, off license or an on license um, to sell alcohol. So depending on where you're trying to sell, like if you if you have a cellar door, you need an off license to sell alcohol. If you have a, a brew pub, you need an on license, obviously. And if you're selling at the local market, it'll be some sort of license that you need. Either they'll have a license for you, or on behalf of you, or you'll need to get your own. To sell alcohol at that market, um, whatever situations are there. If you're just selling it to a supermarket, then you, can, you don't need a license at all to sell because they've done it for you. Right. And where would you go to um, get those different licenses? Let's say people want to start at the local market same, or same same place. Your council, and right. depending on how uh, helpful they are, how, <laughs> you know that all all depends on how easy the process is going to be. So. Right. Yeah, depending on your area and how awesome the, the council are. Ours is super awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, or, ours is, uh, or so says Gary when helpful, people but... are when people are listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they um, they have been very helpful, but they there has been a few roadblocks that have been put in the way of, of on licenses that I know around the place. So it's not so easy to start up a brew pub as such if you're starting from scratch, but it is pretty easy to start to start actually making the beer itself right i will end with how amazing that is you know that's one of the things that that i've kind of learned moving here now i'm not your average expat i didn't move to new zealand because i hated america or anything like that. i quite liked it i'm quite a quite a fan to be honest um i moved here because i fell in love with a, a new zealand girl and and you know chased her across the world to to live here because that's where she was happiest um but in in doing that, you know, it's been a several year adjustment. But but the the patriot in me, the American patriot in me, has been a bit humbled, and it actually all started with looking into starting a brewery. We we as Americans have this idea that America is this free place, it's the freest place on earth. But 
and you know, and everyone and, and somewhere like New Zealand where their socialist government is not nearly as free, you don't even have a constitution and you know, you believe these kinds of things. And then you look into starting a brewery and in the States it's like stack after stack of paper. Every label needs government approval. It's overwhelming. I instantly knew I can't do this. You know, I could never start a brewery in the States. I was gonna need a partner that understood that language i'm i'm good with certain aspects of business i'm a great great marketer but i'm i'm horrible when it comes to paperwork i hate it it gives me a, mm. a, a panic attack and yeah. it's it's just i'm absolutely not suited for anything that requires a signature um but in looking into it in New Zealand, I was amazed. I, I remember calling the council and saying, so yeah, you know, this is a few years ago, like I said, around batch number two or three. Um, and, and there weren't this, a million people starting breweries. So it was kind of, especially up here in the far North, it, they hadn't got this call very, very often. And, and so it was sort of new to them as well. But I just remember going through that process of, and then what? No, that's it. <laughs> you know, and, well, surely I need, I need some kind of, I need to like, you know, uh, I don't know, open my veins and give you my blood and name yeah. my firstborn child. Yeah. No, no, you just like, it's going to no, be like no, a couple, no, yeah, couple yeah. hundred bucks and a, and a, and a permit, um, a permit <laughs> structure. And I was amazed by how, how easy it is. And it actually started not, now we're getting kind of philosophical or, or political, um, but it started really, uh, having me look at the fact that New, New Zealand for, for a country that doesn't necessarily have these anchored principles of freedom in the way that something like the States does with its big Bill of Rights and Constitution, it's a very free country. And I feel I've come to feel much freer here in New Zealand because if I want to do something, the government's, you know, it's a smaller country. The oh, government is not yeah. in my way. Here's what you want to try and do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and look, I'm, sh you know, each country has their pros and cons. But as a person yeah. just living at least in the far mm. north, I feel pretty free. And, uh, you know, in the States, there are roadblocks. The bureaucracy has just become so yeah. big. And again, I'm not trashing the States. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan of the country. But the bureaucracy has become so big because the country is so massive and powerful. And all these people are making jobs for themselves uh, that you're yeah. just you're just you know, you're not as free as as our our constitution would have us believe. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm sure just one half our audience over and alienated the other half. But it, it was a big, um, you know, I don't even know what my my some feeling is on it all, but it's definitely been a major shift. I was this diehard patriot who started to see things a little bit differently. And it all started with looking into starting a brewery. Uh, for whatever that's worth. Um, well, I'm going to pop a beer here as we kind of sign off. Um, so what do you think, Gary? That was our, our first episode of the New Zealand Brewer yeah. podcast. Would you, would you listen to this? Would you listen to this crap? Well, yeah, I'd listen to you. I thought you were very professional and, and um, I'm sure you'll have a lot of information to pass over to listeners. I'd, for sure I'd listen to this and you do on podcasts about beer, so... It's right. Certainly something I'd line up for. Um, well, very yeah. cool. Very cool. I, I'm speaking of which I just uh, just popped a Panhead uh, oatmeal stout, the Panhead black top oat right. stout. This one's been sitting in the fridge for a while, but it smells pretty nice. It's still. Yeah. Let's see. Good brews. No, is, it yeah. a, is, this, is this pre pre or post? Uh, uh, I want to say over. it's no, it's pre. Uh, how long ago was that? That's about four four months ago, something like that. Oh, it'll be more than that. Oh uh, well, 
This is probably six, anyway, eight, what six, is, eight what months is the ago. What is the, this would be a yeah, it would be. I'd say you would. Be, I'm sure I've seen that sitting in your fridge. Well, I'm not oh, well. seeing. I'm not seeing anything about about line. Yeah, I should have held on to this longer, huh? Um, oh, Look, did they push? Did they push it about line on? No, uh, um, I don't know. On the label recently, they. I. To be honest, I had a. I don't know. Like it was just a coincidence. When I had my first shitty um, Port Road Pilsner, and it was it was like a few months after line had taken over. I'm like, what the. Hmm. I don't know. It was just a, maybe it was just in the takeover, but yeah, I, I hadn't ever had a bad batch, and this was just horrible. Hmm. Like cat pee, sulfur, <laughs> awfulness. Um, so I'm thinking maybe it was just in the takeover there was some sort of weird thing, but um, I, I have had some since then, and it's, it's back to its back to its you know its quality. But um, hmm. yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I don't think I've ever had one. I mean, I've had some of those, to be honest, that I've I bought some for parties and they've sat around for a while and I've cracked them and they haven't, you know, when they've they've gotten old, but but they haven't been as horrible as, you know, they haven't been that cat pee, horrible, papery yeah. thing that some Pilsners yeah, can, yeah, yeah, can be. Yeah, they yeah. still had some fruitiness in them. And they they kind of held up, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the original Panhead Brewers were the best at, well, they are pretty good at keeping their they're fresh. Um, that's why they did so well, I think. Right in the market. Well, we shall see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The the the, uh, the jury's still out on whether or not Panhead retains their good reputation. Uh, I think. Uh, mm. I don't think we've formed a collective opinion yet as a as a mm. beer scene, but we'll sh- we shall see. Um, <clears throat> so again, just to, before we kind of break for the night, uh, I guess I just kind of wanted it to invite any well one thank everyone for listening again this is something i wanted to do for a long time uh and again thank you know thank you gary for joining me on this makes it a heck of a lot more fun than just listening to me sitting there talking to myself and frankly it's kind of weird to sit there talking to yourself for a podcast yeah, episode yeah, yeah, yeah. so i, would, I feel, I I feel a lot less weird if you did that Oh no! I've, I've I done wouldn't it. be surprised uh, if you have done. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. No, I've done some podcasting in in other spaces, and I've done the the long hour by myself, just talking to a microphone. This is a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just wanted to invite you know everyone who's listening. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this. Hopefully, you like the idea of there being a podcast dedicated to New Zealand beer, uh, and perhaps some of you from abroad are listening to this and enjoy the opportunity, or would enjoy the opportunity to get some insight into what's going on in New Zealand. Certainly, New Zealand's made a name for itself in, in the world of beer. Uh, we're producing some of the most unique and uh, popular hops out there these days. And so I know there are a lot of eyes on the New Zealand beer scene in the rest of the world. Um, and the goal with this podcast is to just open it up uh, to everyone, both here in the country and uh, around the world. And we're going to interview other brewers. On mo- I, I would assume we'll see where it goes, but on most of the uh, episodes of this podcast, we're going to interview other professional uh, brewers in New Zealand, give you some insight into their process, their beers, uh, and their stories. Um, and again, just kind of start a dialogue about brewing beer in this country because it is a bit different. We have different ingredients. We have certain limitations in terms of getting uh, equipment. And it's kind of a unique country when it comes to beer because it's one of the few countries i think left in the western world that 
that still brews beer uh, for economic reasons. You know, homebrew is still alive for economic reasons. It's just cheaper in the States to go buy a 12-pack of of piss. You know, I I can't even remember what the going rate is on that stuff, but it's very cheap. It's certainly cheaper. Um, Forget time. It's just cheaper than going and buying the equipment and the ingredients and making your own beer. Uh, And, you know, it, and it's not always coming out as good. So home brewing, you really in the states and in most places, you you embrace it as an artist. But you New, New Zealand, and, and it's certainly true here. Craft brewers and, and home brewers that have uh, that are fans of craft beer are um, approaching it the same exact way. But it's a unique country because again, you go to the local grocery store and there's a little section of homebrew equipment and gear, and that's not happening everywhere in the world because of excise taxes mm-hmm. and and. Uh, the higher prices in general that go because so much of what we need is imported. Um, beer is just more expensive here. And I think, I don't know, uh, the average New Zealander as a result is more in tune with brewing beer. It's more ingrained in the entire culture. It's something that everyone that I encounter, I don't know what it's like in all the different corners of New Zealand, but everyone has some level of experience or awareness with, and I think that's kind of cool. And as craft beer and the craft beer scene becomes more popular and as home brewing becomes more popular, um, I don't know. I think, I think we as a country have, uh, an opportunity to do some, I don't know, cool stuff and, and be a unique voice in the, in the brewing world. Am I getting, am I, is that barley wine taking me down? Yeah. Some, uh, yeah. Yeah. Meandering. From politics. But I hear to... Strong, I'm sure I read about Gordon Strong saying that New Zealand Pilsners is going to be the next big thing in American craft brewing. I wouldn't um, be surprised. He, he came over for something. Oh, yeah. Really, I'm sure it was, I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm sure it was Hop Federation's Pilsner that he tried, and and well, among others probably. And he just said that, yeah, and the next big thing he was asked about the next big thing in American craft brewing, and he, he uh, said New Zealand Pilsners, based on our hops, and they're so suited towards the Pilsner um, style. And I think that's yeah, that's kind of true. I, I enjoy a New Zealand hopped Pilsner. Yeah, and it's so surprising, well, it's surprising to me anyway, that that emerged or is emerging as the mark that New Zealand may make on the rest of the world, because it seems so obvious to me anyway that it was going to be IPA because of our yeah. hops, but uh, here, really? here uh, for for a number of years. But yeah, in, in the last couple of years, uh, we've seen New Zealand Pilsner emerge as the the uh, representative of New Zealand, New Zealand beer, yeah. even in the last... Uh, uh, Soba NHC, the big national homebrew uh, mm. competition here in New Zealand. Uh, they introduced, or they add, they went with the BJCP style guide, but had added one little exception, which was New Zealand Pilsner, and I thought that was kind of cool. It's it's starting uh, to really yeah. emerge. I think yeah, New Zealand IPAs is just hard to brew a good one. Like it's, New Zealand Pilsner, it's a really good style, and, and you can brew amazing Pilsners with New Zealand hops. When you're chucking all sorts of New Zealand hops at a IPA, it's, it's it's a harder gig. Like it's just a there's less good ones put it out there. Put it that way. And America's just got that that covered. You know, there's so many good American IPAs. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. We can't really compete on that level, I don't think. But in, in terms of pilsners, yeah, our, our hops are certainly suited to that style. I think. Well, I don't know. Um, in in the states, 
people are pretty crazy about their New Zealand hops and and, yeah, and adding fight. them with American hops to their IPAs. You mean? Or, uh, are, they, are they just like a hundred percent New Zealand IPA? Like no, just, you bring up a good I point. I certainly don't know one, all of the different. Good one, but, I, yeah, I certainly don't know all of the different different recipes that everybody's using. I just know how coveted American, or sorry, New Zealand hops are in yeah, the states. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I I know the reputation they have, but you, you bring up a good point. Like because they're so limited, they probably are all being blended in, and they're using them as these dominant mm. aroma, aroma hops. But you know that might taste quite mm-hmm. different when blended with. You know, Simcoe and yeah. Amarillo or God knows what else. Yeah. But uh, New Zealand Pilsner seems to be making a name for itself. So, um, I, yeah, I think... Okay. Sorry, I just, just to chuck in, there, chuck in one more thing. I, I was reading a... Uh, I don't know how old it is now, but I was reading a, like a study they did on hops. So I did a, some trials on hops, on IPA hops, and they had, I don't know, a bunch of New Zealand... Oh, no, they had a couple of New Zealand hops and a bunch of American hops, and Columbus and Simcoe came out on top. And our, and Rewalker, which is one of the other one New Zealand ones, they had, they had so they had six types of hops. The two New Zealand hops came fifth and sixth out of the you know the blind tastings that they did. So I think yeah, just in terms of the style, like it's just a, because they're so resinous and and dank, and they, and you know there's all sorts of amazing flavors you get from American hops that you uh, you can complement with New Zealand hops. But as a base, I think American hops are more suited to the, the IPA style. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the big Rewaka fan. I'm much more of a Nelson Sov fan. I, I really yeah, like. Yeah, I really yeah, like yeah, that hop, yeah, and using exactly, using yeah. that more as the dominant hop, and using some of those others for the yeah. blend is more the beer that. If we're talking hoppy New Zealand IPA, is more the beer that I I like. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, teach teach their own. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's time we wrap up. I'll just kind of leave everyone with an invitation to reach out if you have any questions uh, that you'd like us to address on the podcast. Send an email to well, just send it to me at John at New Zealand or go to New Zealand and hit the little contact uh, tab there and you can send in an email. There's a little r- growing resource on the site as well for uh, anyone looking to find a homebrew club in their area. Uh, if you have a home brew club and you're not listed there then then do get in touch and we'll list you there on the site certainly want to do all we can to encourage uh, uh, more clubs more organized uh, homebrew activity in the country Uh, if there's somebody you'd like to hear on the podcast if you'd like us to reach out to a particular brewer and see if we can't set up an interview then again reach out to us can you brew it we'll we'll do all we can can you you brew it and you do yeah well (laughs) I don't know. I, I, yeah, well, we'll who see. Knows? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, who, who knows, People Gary? Are be willing to give up <laughs> uh, and all, you know, and, and Brewing Network certainly got that covered uh, when it comes to format. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see what we can squeeze out of these brewers in terms of of recipes. Because I know I dig, and mm. uh, I, I I know I love the getting the opportunity to uh, take a stab at a recipe to which. Which I can go and buy the commercial example and compare the two and you can't do that all that yeah. often in New Zealand because yeah, yeah, yeah. there are so few uh, breweries that have posted their their recipes in any kind of format so yeah we'll see what we can do and uh, we'll have to hit you up again in, a, in another episode to get yeah. you to share one of your recipes of course people need to be For able sure. to actually find your beer in stores um, you have yeah. to actually have some left in stock for, for that to mm. make sense. So you work on that. I'll work on getting more recipes <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. 
And once again, uh, do me a favor. If you like this podcast, uh, head on over to, again, iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. Uh, leave a review, leave a rating. Those reviews really help. Um, uh, without them, you know, we don't climb in, in the rankings. We get less exposure. And as a result, we'll be making less episodes. So if you like it, leave a review uh, and, and that'll help us out. All right, um, that's it for this episode. Thanks very much for listening, and thanks, Gary, for uh, being on the call. Take care. No worries. Cheers. Cheers.